While they're coming down, if you'll take your Bibles, turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, if you'll stand with me as I read a very familiar verse uh, to you this morning. Verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this portion of Scripture, for this chapter as it challenges us concerning faith. As we see what You have done in the past through individuals who trusted You, who were willing to walk by faith. We pray that you would increase our faith. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight. To please you by trusting you. Knowing that you're faithful. Knowing that you reward those that diligently seek you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. As we look at this passage and some other passages this morning, I want us to look at four aspects concerning faith. And the first one would be the fight of faith. When you read through all these individuals in Hebrews chapter 11, was it easy? No. Did they face obstacles? Did they face trials? Did they face discouragement? Did they face what seemed to be impossible? Yes. Did they always walk by faith? No. And we're going to look at especially the example of Abraham. But over in 1 Timothy 6.12, most of you are familiar with where Paul made the statement to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So Paul's telling Timothy, to walk in faith is going to be a battle. Because Satan is going to oppose you, and it's so much easier to walk by sight than it is to walk by faith, isn't it? You know, if I've got the money, it's easy to walk by sight. If I don't have it, it's not very easy. If I can see a solution to the problem, it's easy to walk by sight. But if I can't see a solution and to trust God that His way is better when you don't see how it can be possible to forgive someone or to follow God's way of handling things, then it becomes a fight. And naturally, in coming to school and having to deal, now that many of you are on your own, and you're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. And so when you go through Hebrews 11, look at individuals, Moses had a battle because when 
Moses knew God had called him to be a deliverer, but to begin with, he tried to do it himself. And so God had to put him on the backside of the desert for 40 years to prepare him to do things God's way, not his way. To trust the Lord instead of leaning on his own understanding and taking things into his own hands uh, there. So as you go through life, you're going to find no matter what age you are, there's going to be a battle of faith. To trust the Lord as you get older and you deal with, could be health problems, uh, when you're pastoring and you have situations where, uh, you know, a young person in the church uh, dies or it could be in the family and uh, you're faced with situations and you want to say, why, Lord? And your faith is going to be tested. Can you trust the Lord in the midst of trials? Can you trust the Lord when you don't understand why God is doing what He's doing? When you read the book of Habakkuk, and Habakkuk is struggling with faith. says, Lord, I see all this going on around me, all this injustice, and it doesn't appear you're doing anything. And God says, well, I'm working a work that you wouldn't believe if I told you. And by the end... Habakkuk realizes God's going to use the Babylonians to judge the people of Judah. And he can say, he says, though everything's going to be destroyed and all this is going to take place, he says, I'm going to trust in you. And he says, I know that you'll give me feet like hinds feet and I'll trust in the Lord my Savior. But he had a struggle uh, with faith. And so, as we go through life, and as a college student, you're going to have the fight of faith uh, as well. Uh, whether it's your finances, whether it's family problems, whether it's other uh, aspects to come in, could be a roommate problem or any number of things. But you're going to have a fight of faith because God wants to develop your faith. Satan wants to destroy your faith. So you're going to be tested. The Lord wants to use that trial and test to grow your faith. Satan wants to use it to destroy you, just like with Peter. Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you. But I prayed for you then that your faith fail not uh, at that time. So there's going to be the fight of faith. Then I want us to notice, secondly, the failure of faith. Because here in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith. <clears throat> and how many times are we in that category where we don't have faith? And we could, you know, go through scriptures and we're going to look at some examples. You know, by faith... Most of you have come here to go to school. Is it possible to be where God wants you to be and still fail in faith? Yes. I've been there. I've done, uh, you know, that as well and had to, you know, learn. You take a step of faith, but you have to keep walking by faith. Let me give you an example. King Asa. In the early part of his reign, actually around the 15th year of his reign, 
He's faced by a large Ethiopian army that came against him. 2 Chronicles chapter 14. He puts his faith in the Lord and God gives him a great victory. God sends Hanani the prophet to commend him and to challenge him to keep walking by faith. Well, 20 years later, he's faced with another foe. God had given him rest for 20 years. And then the king of Israel, Baasha, then comes against Judah and is going to build some fortifications. And so what does Asa do? He's seen God do great things in the past in delivering him from a massive army. And here you've got a smaller army. And so instead of trusting the Lord, he hires the Syrians to come against the Israelites so that they will turn away from Judah. Was that trusting the Lord? No. And so God sends Hanani to him. Turn over to 2 Chronicles chapter 16 for just a second. 2 Chronicles chapter 16. And let you see what he, what he uh, speaks unto him uh, at this time. Verse 8. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet... Because thou didst rely on the Lord, He delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth, thou shalt have wars. Because verse 7, he says, You have not relied on the Lord thy God. And so here's a man, early part of his reign, he has the faith to trust the Lord against a huge army, but yet 20 years later, he's rebuked because he relies upon money and his own conniving, you might say, to solve the problem instead of trusting the Lord and God sends the man of God to rebuke him and say, don't you remember what God did for you back 20 years ago? And that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards him. God would have worked again if he would have trusted the Lord. So Asa uh, is an example. You know, we could go to the uh, New Testament, what did Jesus say about the people in his days? He did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. There in Matthew 13, 58. The two on the road to Emmaus. He said to them, O fools, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. How about Peter when he came to him on the water? And he spoke to Peter. And he said, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? He stepped out on water. The only man that we know that's walked on water besides the Lord Jesus Christ. He stepped out by faith when the Lord said, Come. But as soon as he took his eyes off the Lord, 
and he looked at the circumstances, he began to sink. And how often is that true of us? You know, we take a step of faith, and then we get our eyes off of the Lord. We start looking at the circumstances. They seem to be really bad. The storm uh, is great. We get our eyes off the Lord, and we begin to sink. And he says, O thou of little faith, why did you doubt? Why didn't you keep your eyes uh, on me and continue to walk by faith instead of looking at the circumstances and doubting uh, at that time. Then I want us to look, take a few moments and look at the life of Abraham. Because we know when we get to Hebrews 11, it talks about his great faith. We know when Abraham left Ur by faith, he left Ur and came to the land of Canaan not knowing where God would lead him. So many of you have been like Abraham. You've taken the step of faith. I don't know where God wants me. I don't know what ministry he wants me in, but I know God wants me to serve him. So you've taken that step of faith. So he gets to Canaan, and then he's faced with a problem. There's a famine in the land. Did he trust the Lord in the time of the famine? No. He goes down to Egypt. He pretends that his wife is his sister, which was a half-truth. But now he's walking by sight instead of by faith. And so the Lord has to deal with him. He comes back to the land of Canaan. And then by faith... When he has a problem with Lot and his herdsmen, he lets Lot make the first choice. And of course, Lot, being selfish and walking by sight, chooses the land, the land around Sodom and Gomorrah, destroys his family. But God then says, Abraham, lift up your eyes. says, all that you see, I'm going to give unto you. He's walking by faith. Then Lot is taken captive by Chedorlaomer and his coalition. And so Abraham rescues him, and the king of Sodom offers Abraham all the spoil. He meets Melchizedek, and Melchizedek represents the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. Abraham walks by faith. says, no, I don't need the spoil. God has revealed that He's the possessor of heaven and earth. He has everything and can, and can provide everything I need. So He's walking by faith uh, at that point. But then God has promised Him a son. He's getting older. He's now, you know, around 86 and still no son. And so, what does he do? Does he trust God to give him the son at that point? No. He goes into Hagar to have a child. That was the custom. If your wife doesn't give you a child, go into your handmaid, have a child, and that becomes your heir. Was that God's promise? No. Is he walking by faith? No. But, is God finished with Abraham? 
No, aren't you thankful that when we fail in faith, that God still wants to develop our faith? And so several years later, as God has continued working on Abraham, God reveals himself as I am the Almighty God. I promised you a son. Now he's 99 years old. He's past the age of having children. And God says, I'm going to give you a son. By this time next year, you'll have a son by Sarah. Now, 13 years earlier, he's had Ishmael. He's even asked, well, should Eliezer, my servant, be the heir? God said, no. I promised that I'd make you a father of many nations, that I'd give you a son. And so turn over to Romans chapter 4, if you would. Romans chapter 4. And then beginning with verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that which also is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Abraham is now walking by faith. He's been through the fight. He's been through the struggles. He's learned that his way doesn't work, that walking by sight is not going to accomplish God's purpose. And now at the age of 99, when it appears to be impossible, says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. That he was strong in faith, being fully persuaded. Now, was he always there? No. And uh, you may be struggling. I struggle. At times, but I'm thankful that God doesn't give up on us, that God keeps working in our lives. He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to see that He's faithful to His Word, that He can do that which is impossible, that He can provide, uh, you know, needs, that He can answer, uh, you know, prayer. Uh, I remember, you know, the time we needed visas. Uh, I have to be back in the country for my 65th birthday or right after that to file for Medicare. You know, good old government regulations. And if you don't do so, you're penalized the rest of your life. 
and so we need to be back by the end of October. So we've got uh, tickets. I'd have applied for my visa back in June. Typically, by at least August, we would have our visas. So now we're in September, still no visas. Find out that they've been kept in the uh, lawyer's, immigration lawyer's office and never forwarded. And so now we're down to the week before we're supposed to leave Monday night to go to the airport. And we are now to Friday and there's no visa. I'm in immigration again. And they said... Wait, says your paperwork is being processed. Wait for it to be posted online and then you can get your visa. Well, for all these years, the posting was typically done on Thursdays. They would have their meeting on Thursdays. Then they would post the results. If your name is there, uh, post it on the website. Then you can go and get your uh, passport stamp with the visas, etc. So we're, at, we're on Friday. Never have I seen a posting on the weekend. The next day, Saturday, there's our name posted on the website that has been approved for the visa so that I'm able to go Monday morning and uh, I get back home about 4.30 with us leaving at 6 o'clock or so to go to the airport. Uh, there. I mean, God doing what seemed to be impossible because uh, I've never seen it happen before, never seen it happen since. Uh, but the Lord, uh, you know, providing. And so, against hope, Abraham hoped. And uh, he staggered not at the promise of God uh, through unbelief. And so we know now that Abraham has learned to trust the Lord, even for the impossible, that when God calls for him, take your son Isaac and go to Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice. Immediately he obeys. Now, what does Hebrews 11 tell us concerning uh, that by verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So now Abraham's faith has grown to the point that if God took the life of Isaac, he believed that God would raise him from the dead because God had promised through Isaac your seed will be multiplied and you'll become the father of many nations. And so I just wanted you to kind of see the development in the life of Abraham. He started out by faith. He failed on some points, but God kept dealing with him to develop his faith and to bring him to the point where he becomes the father of the faithful, where he believes God even when it appears to be impossible and God shows how great and powerful and mighty uh, that he is. 
So we have the failure of faith, but it doesn't have to stay there. And we see that in the life of Abraham. So then let's look at the focus of faith. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And of course, Hebrews eleven six, what does it state uh, there? Without faith it's impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So our focus, as with Peter, as long as his focus was upon the Lord, he was walking on the water. But when he took his eyes off of the Lord, and it's so easy, because we all know it's so easy to be focused on the problem and on the circumstances than it is to be focused on the Lord, isn't it? And so, you know, we see that with, uh, you know, Hezekiah. When he's surrounded uh, by the army of the Assyrians. But he goes, he takes the letter and he goes to the Lord in prayer and says, Lord, says, truly these gods are no gods of these other nations. But you are the true God. And he has his eyes on the Lord and God says, don't worry about them. I'm going to put a hook in his nose and I'm going to take him back the way he came. And of course we know the story. God destroyed the Assyrian army by one angel uh, then that evening. 185,000 Assyrian uh, soldiers. But how can we help in our focus on the Lord? How can we strengthen our faith then? So let me just mention a, a couple of things here. We saw back in 2 Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards Him. And then Hebrews or Daniel 11.32, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. So who are those who walk by faith? Those who know the Lord. Those who grow in their knowledge of the Lord. And how do we grow in our knowledge of the Lord? I mean, look at Abraham. As God dealt in his life, God kept revealing himself to Abraham. It says, Abraham, I am the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. You don't have to take the spoil from the king of Sodom. Then when God says, I'm going to give you a son even at the age of 99, God reveals to himself, I am the almighty God. I am El Shaddai. Is anything too hard, you know, for the Lord? Then when he asked him to take Isaac and sacrifice him, what's the revelation of God's character that we find there in Genesis 22? Jehovah Jireh. Who is Jehovah Jireh? The Lord who provides. The Lord who sees to it. So as Abraham grows in his knowledge of the Lord, his faith grows. 
in the Lord. You know, we cannot have great faith if we don't spend time in the Word of God and know the God of the Word. You know, what does Romans 10, 17 say? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. So, if you want your faith to grow, you've got to spend time in the Word of God. You've got to spend time knowing who our God uh, is. So I had the privilege yesterday of preaching on Psalm 145. Uh, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, His greatness is unsearchable. See, the God who is our God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Daniel, the God of David, is the great Almighty God. And if you put your faith in Him, He's your God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can deal and work and provide in your life just like He did for Daniel or for David or for any of the others that are mentioned here. So knowing the Lord is a key to growing in faith. The Word of God is a key. If we want our faith to grow, then we've got to spend time in the Word of God, seeing how great and awesome and wonderful our God is. And as He said to Jeremiah, is anything too hard for me? Aren't you thankful the answer to that is there's nothing too hard uh, for the Lord. Then prayer. Luke 17, 5, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. So how often do you ask the Lord to increase your faith? And then you remember, we had mentioned in chapel uh, the other day, there in Mark 9, 24, with the father with his child, and he says, Straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. So I find that regularly I need to Lord, ask the Lord, Lord, would you increase my faith? I need to trust you in this area of life. I need to trust you in this ministry. And Lord, I can't do it myself. I need your help. I need the faith to trust you and to walk by faith and not by sight because it's so easy to walk by sight uh, at any uh, time in our lives. And then how about association with men and women of faith? Will that help you with your faith? You know, it, it always amazes me when you look at King Saul and he had David, but he basically ostracized David. But then when David is king, who did he have around him? We call them David's mighty men. And what was so spectacular about these mighty men? I mean, they were great warriors, but yet I think they were great men of faith. And why do you think they were great men of faith? Because they were led by a man of faith by David who had gone out against Goliath and said, you know, the Lord delivered the lion into my hand. He delivered the bear into my hand. And, uh, you know, this, this giant is nothing compared 
uh, to our God and he will deliver you into my hands. And so, you know, I've always found it encouraging to be around people that demonstrate faith. Uh, and uh, being around missionaries was always an encouragement to hear how God had answered prayer and God had provided. So back in the early years of our ministry, before we went to the mission field, we had uh, a missionary friend in Bangladesh. Uh, he had pioneered uh, a work for Baptist Mid Mission near Dhaka, uh, Bangladesh. He was out of my wife's home uh, church there in Winston-Salem. And so I remember in a missions conference, we're sitting down around the table uh, and, uh, you know, talking, and he was just sharing some of what God had done uh, in answer to prayer. And he said he, he had pioneered a medical work, so he had a hospital, a clinic uh, there in Bangladesh. And so he said uh, at the beginning of one year, he's praying that God would send in $25,000 for uh, the ministry, and this is back in the 80s. God wouldn't give him peace. He prayed for 50,000. God wouldn't give him peace. He prayed for 75,000. God wouldn't give him peace. When he began praying for $100,000 to come in, then God gave him peace and God sent in $100,000 that year for the medical ministry there in Bangladesh. When most of the missionaries were kicked out of the country, he shared with us how God kept him in the country. There was going to be a wedding in the lot or so next to their hospital. So the people conducting the wedding asked if they could tap into his electricity uh, since they needed electricity for uh, the venue. So he, he agreed that, that would be fine. Well, he got invited then to the wedding. Well, at the wedding, he is seated next to one of the ministers in the cabinet of the government and becomes friends with him. And when everyone else is kicked out of the country, this guy that he met at the wedding arranges for him to stay in the country. You know, it's amazing how God works. And, you know, because if we're walking by faith, trusting him, we get to see how great our God is. And it's not until you have problems that you can see how great God is. If everything's going smoothly, how are you going to see the great and marvelous and wonderful things God can do until you're in a pickle, we would say, and you have to trust God to do what you can't do, and your only hope is in uh, the Lord. So association with men and women of faith, which also... Uh, would be reading biographies of great men and women of God uh, that would encourage you in your faith. Hudson Taylor, George Mueller, uh, you know, many that God have used. Mary Slessor and uh, uh, Amy Carmichael, Isabel Kuhn, you know, just a number of them that to me are great encouragement in trusting the Lord when you see what God has done uh, for them. And then finally, the fruit of faith. What does it say here? In our text verse, without faith it's impossible to please Him. But he that cometh to God must believe that He is. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So what's one of the fruits of faith? 
It pleases God when we trust Him. And He diligently, He rewards those that diligently seek Him uh, as well. So Hebrews 11, the whole chapter, is about those who walked by faith and how God responded, whether it's opening up the Red Sea, bringing down the walls of uh, Jericho, uh, whether it's subduing kingdoms. Uh, note, if you would, uh, there in verses 33 to 35, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. All that as a response to faith. We saw in 2 Corinthians 16, 9, God will show Himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards Him. And then verse 16, what does it state? But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. You know, what a blessing that God would say, I'm not ashamed to be called your God if you'll walk by faith. If you'll trust Him. Yes, it's going to be a battle. There's going to be the difficulties. There's going to be the seeming impossibilities. But there's nothing too hard for our God. Our God is great. He is our God. We are His children. He wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. So will you ask the Lord, Lord, teach me. Lord, would you develop and strengthen my faith? Would you increase my faith uh, as well? And help thou my unbelief. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you are our God. We thank you for your greatness, that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And Lord, we know there's many that are struggling in their faith. By faith they've come here, but yet it becomes a fight, whether financial, whether family problems, whether other difficulties. Father, I pray that you would increase their faith. Help them to see you in your greatness as the Almighty God, the possessor of heaven uh, and earth that you would develop their faith, that you would strengthen them, that you would be glorified in their lives and not be ashamed to be called their God. 